Jillikers. Jiminy Jillikers. Unique you north. Oh, boy. <laughs> Jiminy <laughs> Jillikers. Get that right. Um, how many times have you seen this movie? I don't know, like four times? Like four times? Yeah, maybe. That's Yeah. I've seen it enough. Yeah, no, I I, I know you have. I just... Uh... I was just wondering. But um, you, you set to go? Yeah. Okay, then let's play it again, man. You must remember this. A kiss is just a kiss. Good morning, Vietnam! You're going to need a bigger boat. Erica! 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 Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Uh, this is Steven here. Jason is not here. He was on tour, so we're recording an episode without him. But I have Jerry here with me. Hello. And we are going to do the 1997 film L.A. Confidential, directed by Curtis Hudson. Uh, it was released on September 19th, 1997. Had a budget of $35 million, and it made $126.2 million. So it was pretty big success um it was nominated for a bunch of oscars including best picture um and yeah this movie is pretty badass so we'll start at the beginning like we always do and talk about the first time we see this seen this movie or the first time we remember seeing it or when it became relevant in our lives so uh what about you jerry so for me Ellie confidential i always remember hearing the name of the movie and seeing it in like back in the 90s and the early 2000s in, in different forms of like media. So, like, in uh, I don't know if I'm watching a different movie and a commercial comes on. So, the name has always like, yeah, rung a bell with me and I was always aware of it. But it wasn't until maybe eesh, less than a decade ago that I actually watched it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like blown away about how like awesome it was. and I had no idea, like, the cast that was yeah. in the movie, yeah, you yeah. know? I always heard, Ellie Confidential, Ellie Confidential. And at this point, you know Russell Crowe, you know Guy Pearce. At, thi- at this point, yeah, because yeah. it's like, what, dude, maybe seven years ago i seen it. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, a 1997 Russell Crowe, so mm-hmm. super young. Yeah. Uh, right, Guy Pearce, um, Danny DeVito, Kim Basinger, Basinger, <laughs> Basinger, Basinger, yeah. And I remember I was like, dude, these people are in this movie? You know what it reminds me of? It's like, I always remember hearing The Constant Gardener. And I think it's like that Mandela effect where I was like, dude, that movie came out in like 94. Yeah. But it was like, nah, it came out. Yeah, uh, I, for some reason, that movie specifically, I remember coming out really early dude, on in my childhood. I don't know if I'm mixing it with like... Another movie? Uh, the English the, Patient the or The English something? Patient or Bridges of Madison county or i have no idea but it reminds me of something like that because i saw that movie in one of our film classes and i was like damn ralph fines is in here like what the hell um but this movie kind of reminded me of that because i saw it and i was like damn all these people are in there yeah and it i thought it was really cool i mean i might not have the attachment to it that you you did you know but it was it's always cool for me to like 
find things like hidden gems yeah you know? like not, something not, you weren't expecting to, for you to like that much yeah that much too and not like this was a underground movie you know it's oh, nominated yeah, no. and, and everything but sometimes and, things just go over like we don't we didn't we didn't see them at the time so we kind of yeah. put them off like whatever and it makes sense why like i besides the fact of not seeing the movie that i heard about it for like oh yeah, dude, yeah, yeah. 20 plus years mm-hmm. so i saw it about seven like seven years ago or whatever and i was like blown away i mean i know we'll talk about like scenes and stuff but i was like i love russell crowe in it i you know being a big gladiator fan yeah um so i've seen it a handful of times since then um and i i always enjoy it it reminds me of like i know we play la noir that video game yeah yeah and you can tell um a lot has been lifted from the movie in Mm -hmm. there but i think just like that noir film the the piece and everything was just it's just so cool. So it's definitely something I could like. I'll rewatch again. Not yeah. when, you know. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of times there's movies that came out when we were younger that we didn't necessarily see. Mm-hmm. So for example, like The Goonies, I didn't watch it when I was younger. I didn't see it until I was way older. So yeah. I have like no attachment to uh-huh. it. Nor do I care to ever see it again. I was right. like, yeah, it's fine. And then you know, but this movie is something like I would definitely like watch again. And yeah, again. yeah, yeah. It could easily. You know, crack. I mean, as much as I love the Goonies, I know why I wasn't nominated for Best Picture. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, got snubbed, but <laughs> it hasn't. Um, okay, so for me, this movie came out, and uh, I probably didn't see it. It came out what nineteen ninety seven. I probably didn't see it till early into high school, so maybe like oh four. Yeah. Um, but it was a movie that uh, my mom had on VHS, and I just mm. remember seeing it. I would, uh, whenever we had to clean the house. I would always usually be like cleaning downstairs and yeah. dusting all the all the entertainment center with our VHS and DVDs. So I would see it all the time. Yeah. And it wasn't until I don't I don't know why I decided to grab it and put it on, but I put it on. Or I might have watched it with my mom the first time. Yeah. I'm not sure. But it, we had it on VHS. I put it on, or we put it on, and I watched it, and I was like, "Fucking this is this is so cool!" So like, awesome. and and that was. I kind of always enjoyed the aesthetic of like uh like detective noir stuff, but I really yeah. think how much I love that genre nowadays. I really think mm. that this was like my like what really got me into like it. introduction. To yeah, it. and not just, Dick Tracy. Uh, well, yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of. But that it just like solidified it. Yeah, it, um, because this was. I mean, Dick Tracy was like a fun movie. I remember liking it when I was a kid, but. This was like actual gritty, like what it's an Los actually An- good movie. Yeah, yeah, what Los Angeles would have been like back in the day. So I remember watching it, and at the time, not knowing, I, I knew Russell Crowe. Yeah, um, I think that was the first time. Uh, yeah, you knew Russell Crowe, and oh, you said at high school. Yeah, because right? okay, I saw okay. it after Gladiator and yeah. stuff. Um, so I knew Russell Crowe, and I knew Kevin Spacey already before that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but and Kim Basinger, she was in Batman, but I didn't know who Guy Pierce was. Yeah, uh, and like. Just watching them, I I was just so blown away at like how much, how confusing and how integrated the storyline was, mm-hmm. and but how clearly the movie like lays everything out. And oh, like, it does a good job. It of does it. a good job of you not getting confused about what's going which on. Which is which is um, a common occurrence in in, in big like uh, either mystery movies yeah. or detective movies. You can get really lost. Yeah, and this in, in the story. This movie does a really really good job at at keeping you up like up 
to date with what's going on yeah. and who these characters are and who who they're meeting and everything. But yeah, ever since then, I mean, I watched that that VHS into the ground and then, you know, I had DVR for a long time, so I, I remember I had it on there and sometime in high school I was like, okay, I have to rearrange or rethink like my top 10 films and this movie, I think I mean, we talked about Star Wars franchise-wise, but right. This movie uh, is the first movie that we've done that I can really just be like, oh, this is definitely my top ten films of, of right. all time that I've ever seen. And it's like, you have so, like, I don't, it's, uh, what's that word I'm looking for? Well, good cause. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, Star yeah, Wars yeah. is like, yeah, we could say they're good movies or whatever. Yeah. And we can look I, into I, the I, myth yeah. of it. I, I really like Star Wars for a million different reasons, and right. some of them very personal to me. Of so, course, yeah. you know. Um, but like this one, just like you said, you, with good cause, you get it. It's a really good yeah. movie. You know what? Uh, that's funny that you mentioned earlier that you were like dusting stuff, and then you found this VHS. Yeah. How many like hidden gems were found in just like random VHS collections that oh, your parents dude, that, had? That's 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 how I saw most of the movies that I know like. I find friends like you or like Dustin or whoever who have seen those things and yeah. other people like they have no idea what I'm talking about. Like Midnight Run, we did my Midnight Run, yeah. And I know a lot of people, even as uh, crummy as it is, that was like our least listened to episode because I don't think our audience has seen that movie as much as the other ones. No, it makes sense. I mean, there's tons of movies I've, I've found just either I stayed home from school or I was it was summertime and I was bored during the week yeah and I would just randomly look at through these VHSs that like my dad's just like collected. bins that your dad had or something yeah and there's yeah. I mean there's I saw like uh leaving Las Vegas yeah and I was like what the hell is this uh Con Air yeah I'm on a Nick Cage run here um dude yeah all kinds of movies and it's crazy how like you find like you said you went in there and just random like oh what is this I'll just yeah. watch it because yeah. as a kid you're just like you have no previews of anything you just look and if you're lucky enough to have a cover you're just like oh this cover looks cool maybe I'll watch it yeah and then this one like I don't know it's a hit um, all right well that's how we first saw this movie and how we how it affected us and you know uh, I think this is a good time to jump into the cast. Uh, at the time, the cast was relatively unknown. Uh, I think Kevin Spacey and Kim Basinger were like the biggest stars in this movie at the time. Danny DeVito, probably. Danny DeVito, too. Uh, I mean, just because he's not a main character. but Yeah. Um, one of the main characters, Russell Crowe, he plays Officer Wendell Bud White. Uh, and he's fucking awesome in Dude, this movie. he's so sick of this movie. He's, he's, I mean, Russell Crowe is just an amazing actor in general, but this character, I feel, is, like, tailor-made for oh, his type yeah. of... Oh, yeah, it's... I remember um, watching it for the first time in, in the scene where they're um, interrogating... Yeah. Uh, the one of the interrogation, and he's so angry, and he's just... You see his, like, knuckles just turning white from yeah. just gripping this chair... Until like it just breaks under the like his anger, <laughs> and I was like, "Holy shit, that's Russell Crowe!" Yeah. Um, so yeah, he Russell Crowe was really cool. Um, apparently, he got this role specifically because of one of the first movies that he did in Australia called Romper Stomper, where he plays like <laughs> a, a neo Nazi. Um, oh shit! What an Australian name. Too. Uh, and then uh, he kind of breaks into the scene. In 1995, with The Quick and the Dead, directed by Sam Raimi, which I swear to God, that movie, had it been directed by 
anybody else but Sam Raimi, Clint Eastwood, Martin Scorsese, fucking uh, Brian De Palma, any any of the big hitters at that time would have won Best Picture. But for some reason, Sam Raimi directed it, and it became a fucking cartoon. But like, dude, yeah. it has Sharon Stone prime of her and like in her prime. It's got an up and coming Leo, up and coming Russell Crowe, and fucking. Uh, gene hackman at the top of his game oh dude everyone was trying to make a western in yeah the and uh yeah so he's in that movie he's good in it but the, like i said the movie's pretty much a fucking cartoon <laughs> um because sam raimi directed it uh he does a lot of stuff in the in the 90s um like like little side like uh independent films that not a lot of people see and then i think when he really starts getting traction is when he does this in 1997 yeah right um people notice him obviously this movie gets nominated for a bunch of awards and then he becomes a household name in 2000 when he plays uh, Maximus in Ridley Scott's Gladiator. Yeah. And I know that's one of your favorite movies. Um, oh, yeah. Wait for that podcast. And he's he's fantastic in that movie. Um, I think he wins an Oscar that year for that movie. Yeah, when you... And then, what is it, a few years later, he does the, a beautiful... The, the next year, in 2001, he works with Ron Howard, and he does a beautiful Which mind. is the one he probably should have won for. Yeah, He's definitely. great as Maximus, but... Yeah. Beautiful uh, Mind. Beautiful Mind's insane, yeah. yeah. Um, so then he's nominated for that, and he loses to Denzel for Training Day. And then, uh, after that, he works with Ron Howard again, uh, Cinderella Man. Um He's in Master Commander in 2003, Ooh. a movie that I still haven't seen. Me neither. I was not it's interested on my list. when it came out, but I've heard so many good things about it that yeah. uh, I, I got to watch it. Um, he played uh, Jarrell, Superman's dad in uh, Man of Steel, which I think he did a great job, but that franchise just kind of went down the drain. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's in one of our personal favorites from the t- uh, teens, uh, The Nice Guys, starring opposite Ryan Reynolds, and he's fucking so good you know he's he's a really good actor and everything but that just like i think that's the first movie that he's like just comedy gold yeah and he's totally playing it straight the whole time yeah but and, it's... and it's 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 really cool it's so uh, good. He's really really funny in it um mm-hmm. and then apparently he's gonna be in the new thor love and thunder directed by taika watiti that's gonna come out in the next couple years i think hopefully is uh comedic chops come out in that as well yeah that would be really really cool but um yeah him in this movie really really good and we like russell crowe and hope to see him in a lot more stuff uh next up we got guy pierce mm-hmm. um who plays uh detective lieutenant edmund exley or shotgun ed as they call them call him in the movie um this guy kind of came out of nowhere uh i think this is his first like big right. american american movie yeah so, it's like him and russell crowe the australian yeah movie. yeah uh mm-hmm. la confidentials 1997 and then there was a movie that i remember seeing there was a movie i used to watch all the time and this movie was on the previews of it before it started Ooh. um back in the day when you used to put a vhs in there was a slew of previews kind of like when you go to the movies my favorite part um and this movie's called Ravenous. It's about cat like uh, dudes like in the eighteen hundreds in America that become cannibals. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's it, it. I just remember it always looked like a really gnarly movie. Um, and then in two thousand, he works with uh, freaking Nolan, Christopher Nolan in Memento. And boy, yeah. what a fucking mind! What a mind fuck! Mm-hmm. Um, 
at this point, I think I saw Memento after LA Confidential. So okay. going into that movie, I was like, oh shit, that's fucking Shotgun Ed. And yeah. uh, watching that movie, I was just like, dang, this guy, he's got the chops, man. He's a really good actor. He's really good. And uh, I think he gets slept on and maybe got market corrected by a few different people. Uh, by uh, uh, um, Homeboy that's in uh, Moon Knight. Um, Oh, Ethan Hawke? Ethan Hawke, like a corrected <laughs> Guy Pierce. Even though he was on the scene already. Yeah. Uh, so maybe there maybe, was... Just... Yeah, maybe something else. I don't know. Um, He's in this... I thought it was a Western at first, but they're in Australia. It just takes place at the same time. It's a pretty cool movie. It's called The Proposition. Um, It's Ooh. it's pretty it's pretty cool. Uh, I checked it out one time. It's on Amazon, I think, if anybody wants to watch it. And then he's at the very beginning of Hurt Locker in 2008. Um, he does a slew of different uh, independent Small movies. Small roles. Yeah, there's a there's a movie that he stars in that I watched. It's like a sci-fi movie called Lockout. I think it came out in 2008. Um, and then, oh, I missed The Time Machine. I remember... Oh, is that him in The Time yeah, Machine? I saw that trailer, and he's in that movie, and I wanted to see that movie so bad, and it came and went, and I never saw it. And uh. then... Later on, I saw LA Confidential and I saw Memento, and then I went back and I saw The Time Machine. And I was like, "Holy shit, that was Guy Pierce the whole time!" I had no fucking I had no idea. idea. Um, yeah, but he's in that movie, and then he shows up in Iron Man Three as the fake Mandarin, I get, or the Mandarin. I don't know what they did with that. The first but, fake Mandarin. Yeah, uh, Iron Man Three in 2013, and since then he's been in a bunch of different shit, uh, Prometheus, and a bunch of That's other right. stuff. He played uh, Wayland the the dude that created all the all that shit and alien alien wait is it but he has makeup on right is that him uh yeah in the movie he does they did a promo before the movie where he's like young he's got that awful makeup on his head yeah um yeah dude guy pierce uh, you know what i actually saw memento first um years ago actually probably closer to when it actually came out yeah i had these older uh, older friends that were like dude you gotta watch this and so I was watching it. Actually, I watched it around the time uh, Equilibrium was out too. I don't actually. What I don't know what year. Uh, I think oh five. Okay, yeah, something like that. And they were like, "Dude, you guys gotta watch these crazy." Maybe like, oh no, maybe oh three because I think Equilibrium was before. Oh, oh three before sounds Batman. about right. That sounds about right because Equilibrium came out, and I remember my older friends were like, "Dude, you gotta watch these two movies. They're total like mind fucks." One of them's like gun, gun foo or whatever, and, and the other one plays backwards. <laughs> dude, uh, Equilibrium and, and Memento are dude two completely okay. different movies. Now I'm like, yeah, what and the of f- different, of different, of varying degrees of excellence. Yeah, dude. but when you're like, you're like what, twelve or thirteen, and your high school friends are like, dude, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you're like, oh man, these guys, they know. You go walk in the room, the black light is always on, and <laughs> I don't know why teenagers back in those days always had like incense or whatever. It's like their room was just Spencer's. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they were less like, dude, watch these two movies. And I remember Guy Pierce, and I remember watching that movie, and I was like, at that age, I was like, damn, that guy kind of scares me. <laughs> and then uh, I got to know him when I was a little older, and, and then, yeah, sometimes you just wonder, where the hell is he? Because he's, he's good. Yeah, and he he's he, great in this. He does, he does, like I said, he does a lot of independent film. Um, maybe yeah. he just really likes choosing his roles. Um, yeah, because I couldn't see him, like, it's Guy Pierce. I think he had so much uh, pull, like in yeah. from those little roles. Yeah, yeah. That you could throw him in his movie. Yeah, some some people just choose that route. Yeah, who knows? Um, all right. So next up, we got the elephant in the room. Uh, 
Kevin Spacey, Ooh. who, uh, what, what do okay, you do? So, uh, so before we go into Kevin Spacey, uh, how are you with separating the art from the artist? Um, I mean, I'm, it's difficult, but I think you could talk about it, uh, and be objective, right? Yeah. So we can talk about the art that he did and the performance that he did because he's playing a role in the movie. Yeah. So anytime I think about something like this, right, when I'm reading a book and there's and you're reading the main character, and yeah. then a lot of the times I remember in, in college I would reference, oh, well, the author says this. And he's like, no, that's not the author. It's that's the character. character in the book. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, oh, damn. So there is a separation, right? Um, to a certain to a certain degree. Yes. So when I think back on, like, Kevin Spacey's career, there's, like, his roles that are undeniably good. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's the way he played them. So it's like, okay, this movie, his character is, uh, the like, the way he plays it is just so good. Like, yeah, you, yeah. you just think of. Yeah, it's okay. So, I mean, Kevin Spacey was highly revered as one of the best actors in Hollywood yeah. for a really long time. And mm-hmm. then it came forward that he uh, allegedly, I don't even, I don't know if they ever went to court and if he was found guilty or whatever, but allegedly he was diddling like, like younger oh yeah actors, he, he like, sounded like uh uh when all all the accusations and yeah. everything came out it sounded pretty bad yeah like, yeah um so i'm just gonna assume he's canceled and if right. anybody ever decided to work with him again i don't see anybody supporting his no his so like even in this like conversation that. it's like i i would feel like even the the praise we we would give him for his role is in no way like um, any sort of comment on his like character, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, he could totally be a piece of shit. But what we're talking about this movie specifically, yeah. we're talking about it pertaining to uh, Jack Vincennes. Yeah, Jack right? Vincennes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he plays Jack Vincennes, Hollywood Jack, the big mm-hmm. V um, in this movie. And I got to be honest with you, uh, seeing this movie from when I saw it. Uh, you know, going forward, he was always my favorite character. I really, I really liked yeah. uh, that character specifically, and I think um, he did a good job embodying that character. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Kevin Spacey, he does a uh, does a lot of stuff in the early '90s. He's in Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross um, in 1992, um, The Ref with Dennis Miller in 1994. Then in seven or in 1995, he does Seven and. Uh, usual suspects where Ooh. i think usual suspects is where he really kind of bursts on the mm-hmm. scene and people are like holy shit this guy can really act um he does uh bugs life in 1998 oh hopper uh yeah he plays hopper and he does a beautiful mind in 2000 i believe he does like k-packs in 2001 oh, k he got cast <laughs> as uh superman's arch nemesis uh fucking johnny rocket <laughs> uh fuck it. god why can't i think of his goddamn name <laughs> lars ulrich no uh, <laughs> it's lex luther lex luther in 2006's uh superman returns which was a huge flop i didn't think it was a terrible movie it's not terrible um and, but it was a it didn't work and it was a bad that went nowhere uh in the 2000s, did a bunch of stuff. Um, he's in a he narrates a voice in a movie called Moon that came out in 2009 with Sam Rockwell mm. that I really love. Um, and 
he was in House of Cards from 2013 to 2016. Um, Probably, the, yeah. Sometime. Before the last two years, and then he got... He got canceled, and uh, I think the last movie that he was actually that actually came out that he was in uh, was Baby Driver, right. which I was really glad that came out before all that controversy because Edgar Wright, um, you know, had success with his films, but that was like his first huge like box mainstream like success. Yeah, um, so that was good for him. And then he was set to come out in the Ridley Scott movie All the Money in the World, hmm. um, but they recast him cast him with Christopher Plummer, which. Yeah, uh, after all that controversy came out. But yeah, um, that's Kevin Spacey. Uh, Next up, we have Kim Basinger, who burst onto the scene in 1983 in the James Bond film Never Say Never Again. So she was a Bond girl. I didn't know that. That was one. um, It was Sean Connery's last outing as... James Bond. Wait, and he, Sean Connery was, was James Bond in the 80s? He came, he came back for one oh. movie. So he had retired a long time before that, but he came back for one movie. And Kim Basinger was in that yeah, movie? Yeah, she was the Bond girl in that movie. And wait, who was next? Dalton? Uh, Roger, Tim- Timothy Dalton. Oh, Timothy. Uh, the worst Bond, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, she was in that, and then she's in Nine and a Half Weeks, which was really popular in 1986. Uh, I saw that one. Batman, 1989. She plays Vicky Vale. Uh, in 1992, she was in that movie Cool World, which I always really wanted to watch when I was a kid, and then I finally watched it. I was like, "Damn, this movie's fucking weird." Dude, another movie from my childhood that we had just owned on VHS, and I put it on. And at that time, uh, okay, this was before uh, Space Jam. Yeah, but it was already after Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. So, and then uh, Baby's World came out. So there was a lot of movies that were like mixing. Live action, live with action with cartoons. Actually, I don't know. If, uh, Baby's Kids does. That. I think that came out in 1992. Well, at the beginning, they show um, what's his name. That's in, right. In but it was like an R-rated movie. And then yeah. I remember Cool World, and that's where I remember her from. I like first seeing her was in Cool World at uh, Brad Pitt. And I used to watch that as a kid, and I did not understand what's going it's on. It's a really weird movie. But I thought it was cool because it was cartoons in there. But I also go on record and say I would watch movies that had like, especially in the 80s, that had cartoon intros. Yeah. Like Christmas Vacation. Thinking there was going to be cartoon in it. And then I would always get tricked. I know I'm going off on a tangent, but (laughs) I would always get tricked. And I would see the movie multiple times. And I'm always like, oh, I just hope this version is the cartoon. (laughs) Anyway, we'll save that for another podcast. Oh, my God. Okay. So, yeah. Like I said, Cool World, 1992. Um, She's in The Getaway with her then-husband, Alec Baldwin, 1994. 1997, she does LA Confidential. And... She's the only one that walks away with an Oscar for this movie. Oh, um, really? Which is surprising. Um, oh, wow. She does 8 Mile and 02 and a bunch of other independent films that I haven't seen throughout mm-hmm. the 2000s. Um, but notably, she's in The Nice Guys with Russell Crowe again in 2006. Oh, that's Teen, right. 2016. Um, but yeah, she's really good in this movie. Oh, and yeah. uh, I guess really, she, was, really good. she was cast because... Um, the Curtis Hansen was just like, oh, we wrote this character, yeah, and I can't see anybody else in but Hollywood playing, play, it. playing it because it's just it's perfect. She for definitely her. has like a very uh, like old Hollywood look, old Hollywood look, but also a much more like like a very she's very like sexualized in this movie, yeah. But you can see that she holds like that power in the mm-hmm. in here, and it's like the way she looks, the way she speaks. It's like, yeah, she has the old Hollywood guard, but like, there's a very, very, 
sophisticated, sophisticated like, but very like sexual like uh, energy that she gives off. That's mm-hmm. not quite old Hollywood, the like glamour, yeah, yeah. Bit, right? But it's, uh, dude, yeah. So wow, she was so she won the Oscar for that. Yeah, what was she that ninety seven? That's the Titanic year. Yeah. So who won the? Were these? Who was not? Were these guys nominated? Anybody else? In this? Uh, the movie was nominated for best picture. Uh, I think Curtis Hansen and the writer Brian Hedgeland. Mm-hmm. They were both nominated for best adapted screenplay. Um, I don't know that Russell Crowe or anybody else was nominated for. Yeah, you, she won supporting actress. Uh, you know what I. So rewatching the movie and as great as performances a lot of these actors give, hers really stands out pretty big. I would yeah. also say Kevin Spacey's uh, action, like his acting, really stands out, and Russell Crowe is really really good in this too. Yeah, um, Guy Pierce is fucking great as well. They're all they're all really good. Yeah. You know what though? It's her hers does I think. Yeah, because warrant. I mean, I I think. What else was like like you like you like you said? Um, oh, Titanic swept everything. Yeah, um, I guess you have to give it a bald dude who's bald now who wore a wig <laughs> in that movie. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, whatchamacallit. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, about Kim Basinger. I think that this is one of, like, I mean, I've seen her other movies. I think this was the best role, like, written that she's mm-hmm. ever played. Um, there's just so much depth to her, even though she's not in that many scenes. Um, yeah. And I, I think this was a chance for her to really show people like more of like, I mean, bo- like her first thing was a bond girl and she's kind of just a damsel in distress in Batman. Right. And like, uh, I, I think, and then even, even in cool world, she's hypersexualized. And, Oh yeah. Um, so I think this was a really good role for her and she, she did a, did a great job. Um, next up we got James Cromwell, uh, who plays captain Dudley Smith. I think most people would probably know him from babe 1995. That's what I do. Um, he's also in Deep Impact in 1996, and Another then he classic. does he does this movie 1997, does a Green Mile in 1999, uh, Space Cowboys in 2000, and uh, yeah, he's he's a really good actor as well. He's mm-hmm. he's so menacing in this movie, especially after like yeah. the twist and everything. Yep. Um, He's just got he's got that uh you know because in Babe which was the first movie I saw him in so watching this movie I was like oh that's the dude from Babe like yeah for sure um but he was a nice yeah old nice old grandpa. man so in this one you really see like his range that you that you have in there that he has and it's that's his real accent in this movie yeah 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 okay. he's he's uh Scottish Irish 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 he's Irish. Irish um and he he's fantastic in this movie he's he's at the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. you kind of see him as a mentor, like father figure to Ed, and right. you know he, he you you get that from him. And then as soon as you find out that he's the big bad, um, he becomes so menacing and sinister, and just like yeah, I mean, even uh, upon first watch, you don't really catch it, but you do get knocked off guard a little bit. Is when he uh, recruits um, Bud, Bud, yeah, to be his like. Uh, his muscle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, uh, I know this cop. He seemed to play straight before, but this seems even yeah, a little sketchy. Uh, yeah. Sketchy. Um, but you're right. Uh, which shows how good of a movie this is, and how well it was written. Because you get an old, the old guy from Babe, and you're scared of him. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So next up, we got 
the great Danny DeVito, Sid Hutchins, one of my favorite actors of all time. Um, Danny DeVito's had a fucking crazy career. Uh, I think his first movie is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, where he plays a mental patient in 1975. And then he was on Taxi and became like kind of like a household name mm-hmm. on that show because he was everybody really liked him. Um, he's just that sassy, snarky, like New York scum, guy, New York scumbag taxi guy. driver guy. Yeah, um, from the seventies, eighties, and, and uh, he was on that show from nineteen seventy eight to nineteen eighty three. Does a lot of movies in the in the eighties. Throw Mom from the Train and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Twins. He first works with Arnold Schwarzenegger in nineteen ninety eight. Mm. Uh, that's that's Whoa, a, that came that's out in ninety eight. Oh, eighty eight. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, um, it's a nineteen eighty eight. Yeah. And it's a it's a fun movie. I really like it. Uh, then he plays a penguin in mm. 1992 in Batman Returns. Yeah. And it's the first time he works with Tim Burton. He works with him a few more times. He's done a lot of voiceover work. Uh, 1986, he's in Space Jam. Uh, 1997, yeah. he plays Phil Atides in the animated Hercules movie. Um, also, 1997, he does L.A. Confidential. 99, he does Man on the Moon. Yeah. Uh, in the which is the Charlie, um, not Charlie Kaufman, fucking Andy Kaufman, mm-hmm. uh, story, uh, which is crazy because he was actually really good friends with him. Uh, and he works with Tim Burton again in 2003 in Big Fish, he's great in that one. Oh, yeah, and 2005, he starts It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, or 2006, because he didn't come until mm-hmm. season, season two. Um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and he plays Frank Reynolds, and it kind of I mean, Danny DeVito never really went away. No. Um, but he starts doing the show, and I think he brings a lot of the popularity with him. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of saves the show a little bit. And he's been doing it ever since. He seems to really, really like it. He likes working with Rob McElhaney and Charlie Day and all those guys. Well, he has a... Right? Because he has a a good career as a producer. Dude, he's a fucking Hollywood legend. Like, he's the actor, the... the producer. So, yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Um, he has a production company called Jersey Films, mm-hmm. and he's done some of the biggest fucking movies in the world. He he produced Pulp Fiction. He produced yeah. Gattaca, Gattaca, which yeah. I really really love. Um, so he's got a lot of clout in in Hollywood. And Good to, eye. to to hear uh, interviews of him talking about like. It, it just gives you the sensation of like every good part of like the Hollywood dream and the Hollywood mm-hmm. lifestyle that you hear. Um, he he loves talking about it, and it seems like he lived that life. And it's so crazy, yeah, because he's a fucking like four foot two troll looking dude, yeah, rough around the edges, always playing a scumbag and everything. But he's so beloved in in Hollywood, and yeah, he's just for, had this incredible career for like he's a man of his day. Like yeah, he's got. Immediate charisma, yeah, on screen charisma, undeniable. He, he really, uh, really like portrays like the seventies, eighties, like New York, like yeah, kind of yeah, grimy, yeah. blue collar guy. Yeah. Um, and aside from just being on the screen, as we know from his his uh, behind the the camera work, yeah, it's like he's he sees pulp fiction right so he's yeah with he's, yeah no he knows talent when he gattaca sees it. is a is a like a, a cult classic underground hit but like so many movies nowadays I, like you'd be surprised by 
how many movies, like his name pops up as a producer. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, wait, what the hell? A bunch of stuff. So, yeah, dude, he, he, he was always one of my favorites, uh, especially as the Penguin. Yeah. Uh, with the fish. He just seems like he he loves acting so much. He lo- he loves movies and yeah, Hollywood. for 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 a fucking four foot whatever guy. He's got he's walks around like a fucking giant. No, and it's true. You know what? It's interesting about that is so he loves obviously he loves Hollywood. He loves being in movies. He loves producing movies. He loves finding talent. Very much in the, in as like people like Robert Redford. Yeah. Uh, his protege now is like what like Brad Pitt mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. All these guys, and but you know what, Danny DeVito, aside from insiders, don't really talk about him on like that level. No, no, they, yeah. But it's... I would I would say aside, um, uh, maybe movies. I don't know. What did you direct, Matilda? Yeah, Matilda. Yes, uh, he starred and directed in that movie. But maybe he hasn't directed as many as uh, Redford. Yeah, yeah. But Brad Pitt hasn't really directed anything either. But I mean. Dude, he's just as influential. Oh no, for sure. And I don't think a lot of people really realize that. No, they don't. Um, That's why, like, I kind of get kind of odd looks when I say, like, "Oh, he's like what? He's my top three favorite actors of all time." No, it's true. Um, But yeah, Danny DeVito, fucking legend. Love that guy, and uh, I just hope he keeps doing what he's doing for as long as he can. Um, Next up, I have David Strathern, which. uh, he plays Pierce Morehouse Patchett, and for a long time he was a that guy, but he's been in so much shit that I think he deserves to be himself. Oh, yeah, um, what's his name? <laughs> David Strathern. 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 That guy. Um, he's in A League of Their Own in 1992. Great movie. Uh, he's in The Firm in 1993 with Tom Cruise. Okay, movie. Simon Birch with uh, Oliver Platt in 1998. Oh yeah, I forgot. He's in the River Wild opposite of Meryl Streep. Great actress. And Kevin Bacon in nineteen ninety four. Um and then he's in The Born Ultimatum in uh oh seven. Oh, that's him. Yeah. He got nominated for an Oscar for Good Night, Good Luck, the directed by George Clooney, but uh what's George his Clooney. Name? Yeah. Um <laughs> uh and then most recently he was in Nomad Land in two thousand twenty that won Best Picture. And then he was just in uh Nightmare Alley in twenty twenty one. Wait, who's he in Nomadland? Dude, he's a dude that's in love with Francis McDormand. Damn, that's him? Yeah. Wow, he's old. Yeah, he is old. And then he's in, uh, and that's him then in... Uh, Nightmare Alley. Great movie. Better than Nomadland. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, he. I like I said, I, I always liked him ever since A League of Their Own. I didn't know who his name, mm-hmm. but every time I saw him, I was like, oh, that's that dude, that's that dude. I love that He guy. always seems like he could play somebody's dad or something... Somebody's dad, or, or uh, a very like a businessman. Yeah, yeah, businessman. Nice suit. He's he's really I really like his performance in this movie. Um, he mm-hmm. he just seems like the like the character he's playing a rich dude that is like been corrupt. He's he's an evil guy. Yeah, he's, he's, cor- he's like corrupt. corrupted he's by his, his his money. Yeah, and he's kind of just used to buying people off and getting everything, Waving getting away with everything. Dick around. Um, some honorable mentions. There's a lot of other people in this movie. Honorable mentions: Simon Baker. Um, he was on that show, The Mentalist. He is the Mentalist for a really long time. Uh, he plays Matt Reynolds, the dude, the gay dude that gets killed. Uh, he's dead. He's also in George A. Romero's last movie. Uh, the fuck, something Land of the Dead, uh, which Jerry really, really loves. Uh, yep. 
Um, Ron Rifkin, he plays D.A. Ellis Lowe. Uh, he's been in a lot of shit. I know him. I used to watch that show Alias with Jennifer Garner. He was on that show One for a long time. One of your favorites. Um, Graham Beckle plays uh, Dick Stensland. Ooh, uh, Gwenda Deacon, she's uh, the character, fucking the girl that dies at the beginning. Uh, she plays her mom. She's got that really weird voice. She, oh, she was, she's good she's in that in, movie. She, yeah, she is really good in that movie. Was um, it a rat? Yeah. Uh, she's in Terminator 2 and a bunch of other stuff. Um, is that her in The Nice Guys? Oh, no, the I other don't guy. Think so. No, The Nice Guys. I don't think so. No, no, you're right. You're not. Um, and then... Thomas Arana, he plays Browning. Um, he plays Gwintus in Gladiator. Ah, uh, Gwintus. But yeah, that's the cast. I think we talked enough about the cast, and we could go on to the rest of the movie. And um, we could talk about uh, our favorite parts of the movie. There are a lot of good scenes in this oh, yeah. movie. Um, mm-hmm. There's some that I was watching. I was like, I'm going to write this down, even though... Kind of nothing happens in the scene, but I oh. really like the interaction between these two characters. Also, right now. too, a lot of this movie, there, um, there's a lot of like quiet time in this movie, quiet time. Uh, but dude, the ambient music, like the music in the background. Yeah, no, the the music, um, the well, music. What instrument is that? Uh, so usually, what le- what leads a horn? it? Yeah, no. What usually what leads it is the piano. The piano come in, and yeah. then you get a little bit of bass with the cello, and then you'll get that the tr- the trumpet, the trumpet and the sax. Wah, wah. Yeah, boom, boom, boom. sounds nothing like that, but yeah, you're right. There is a lot of scenes where. I mean, dude, this movie, there's a lot of snooping around. There's a lot of people, like, peeping into windows. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, secret phone calls going on. You know what I mean? So there's a lot There's a lot of, like, scenes where there's not a whole lot of dialogue going on. But, God damn it, there's so much stuff that's just, like, happening on screen that it's... Yeah, it's... It's hard to look away, you it's know? Re- so, uh, so I was reading a little bit beforehand, and uh, usually Detective Noir is especially when the genre became really popular back mm-hmm. in the 40s and 50s um it everything's usually really gritty looking and really mm-hmm. and really like um high contrast uh when there's women on screen there's that mm. like filter on it they even show a a little piece of a um Veronica Lake movie not Veronica uh, Lake yeah Veronica Lake movie and it and it looks like that apparently Curtis Hudson had told the cinematographer is Pay attention. Make all the the liveliness of Los Angeles at that time, and then just put it in the background. That way, everything. Oh, so a, there's not so there's not a lot of dark and emptiness behind the no, characters. Th- that's a good. Uh, uh, yeah, because there's a lot of neon lights in the back. Yeah, it, uh, there's a there's lot certain, of street lights. There's certain parts that I was that I wrote down mm-hmm. that I was like, holy shit, this looks really fucking cool. Um, but anyway, so the beginning of the movie, I really love the 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 way this movie starts. Um, Danny DeVito's he plays a, uh, yeah. a tabloid magazine editor, and it's his uh, his reading of one of his one of his magazine covers, and they're just showing you old Hollywood mixed in with parts mm-hmm. of the parts of uh, parts of the mo- uh, movie at the same time, and it's it's really captivating, and it kind of grips you like right from the beginning. Oh yeah, he's, it does. That's a good way of like really setting the scene. It, it, yeah. In, in in I think that's what is really cool about noir movies 
is the exposition dumps that we have in there. Yeah. Usually by like um, some sort of like inner mono like inner dialogue or, or monologue, which is what he's having now. But it's is it like a radio show? He, he no, does? it's it's a magazine. Hush hush magazine. So when he's speaking, he's it's, it's, it's him, him because, typing. Cause, yeah, because you okay, could hear the right. ti- you could hear the typing. So, so, it's him, so yeah, and the hush hush. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's one thing I, I haven't mentioned this yet. This movie is based off a book by James Elroy, um by the same by the same name. And there's a lot of in between chapters. There's a lot of news headlines mm-hmm. and and stuff like that. So that I think they pull a lot of that from the book and use that um, use that to propel right. the story forward and have uh, you know the the exposition that we need to understand what was going on. Um, mm-hmm. But that that whole part's really cool. And then it goes into introducing us to our three main characters. Mm-hmm. And the first one we meet is Bud White and. That scene's super cool. Like the way they introduce all the characters, right. super cool. Bud White beats the shit out of a woman beater. We find out that he, or like right away, that he doesn't like women getting yeah. beat and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just shows that he's a badass and he doesn't take no shit from nobody. Right. Then we meet Jack Vincennes and he's a womanizer. Um, he loves Hollywood. Yeah, he, he loves, loves Hollywood. the seediness of Hollywood. Yeah, too, the um, yeah. He he really he really enjoys it. And then we meet um, Edmund Exley. He's the watch commander at the station, and he's getting interviewed, and he's kind of right. like the son of a hero, like boy, boy, yeah, and he's a boy scout, and you Trying know, to make his own we way. get all that, mm-hmm. and then uh, there's just a lot of stuff right away to show you who these guys are, um, and I think it was a really big, uh, really big risk to put like Russell Crowe and, and uh, Guy Pierce in this roles because oh yeah right dude like those are two of the three main characters and nobody knew who they were really no and you're asking them to like um right away like in the beginning of the film when we kind of get them all together on screen is when they're bringing in the elota men from right the streets <laughs> yeah and uh, that's and that seems that seems um really cool because Danny DeVito shows you what Hollywood was supposed to be. Right. And then it's kind of mixing in the grit. They show Mickey Cohen going underground and then a bunch of other, or like going to prison and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you get these three cops. Uh, Bud seems like a good cop, but also kind of crazy. Yeah, he's a good Jack guy. Jack seems mm-hmm. just like a cop who's taking advantage of the system. And Ed seems like he's clean cut, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you get this immediate like, oh, we brought these taco benders in. We got yeah. all the, these spicks, poor Mexicans. And then... Yeah. I love how everybody's description of uh, what happened to uh, Galloway and Helenowski is like, oh, uh, he's missing an eye and he's in a coma and like, oh no, he he's fucking. They're reading it him his last race like the yeah. whole the whole time, and yeah. then all the white guys go downstairs to beat the shit out of the Mexicans. Bloody Christmas, right? Bloody Christmas is what yeah. they call it. What the papers take a picture of, um, and it's just crazy because that that like it immediately shows you how fucked up cops were in this era cops is just just men in general just the uh all the white guys in the in the like inmates in there are cheering on the cops beating up the mexicans yeah one of my favorite things always is okay so they get thrown in there uh russell crowe he doesn't he's trying to stop uh dick stensland from beating up the mexicans Uh and as soon as fucking uh the mexican dude mentions his mother he's like fuck you he snapped so already we see him take care of a woman and then Uh. and then and then he's like infatuated by uh by lynn bracken when they're picking up the booze he's trying to save uh the girl in the car right and then 
his so much about his character comes out in the first ten minutes you know of the what? movie. That's it that's I, I just thought about that right now. You're right. So he he goes off on this dude, right, for for, for uh, talking about his mom. Talking about his mother. Yeah. He hits him, blood splashes on That's my favorite thing. Or, Kevin it, Spacey's not doing anything. Anything. But and, it, it's his image he loves, yeah, right? It's, he gets blood on his tie and then he fucking Then hits, he starts yeah. getting in. And so I love that the first time I saw I, I was just like, that is so cool. Wow. Like, yeah, I just thought about that when you when you said that and, and it reveals who he is. Yeah. And then this dude is just... Ex- he's really not doing anything. He's yeah, just kind of there. He's to, just there like, the, oh, shit, what's going on? as soon as, like, his, you know, his clean suit yeah, gets white, ruined. Yeah, white tie. Because that's what, you know, that's what he cares yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, Exley is there. He's and, trying to get in there and they lock him into a closet. lock him in the closet, yeah. Yeah. Um, Great scene. It. I mean, it is. It really it just... so much. It just sets up the, the, whole, the whole thing, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, so after that, uh, we find out fucking Edmund's going to fucking throw everybody under the bus so that he could get a promotion, become a detective lieutenant. Um, I think Guy mm. Pierce is really like, you don't get a lot of him. You get a really like Boy Scouty, wet behind the ears type thing in that first scene. And then by that one, you see how much, like that's maybe what he was like when he was a kid and he was getting bullied all the time. But yeah. when he goes in that office and demands that they try and convict Dick Stenzel and all this, you get like, oh, he's a conniving little he, shit. He and is. he knows what he's doing. Because it's, you're right. They they don't really reveal too much of like what, what like motivates him. I mean, we know that he wants to make a name for himself. Yeah. He wants, he to, want, he wants he, to be as good as his dad was. But Dudley Smith mentions that too. He's like, oh, he's great, a great politician. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And then even, I mean, we've talked about it at the end of the movie where he, he like, he gets the star. Yeah. He gets you. Yeah. And just totally leaves Bud out. Like, yeah. He could have totally. Yeah. Been yeah like, yeah. oh, me and him. And then, dude. Yeah. What a little shit. <laughs> so, I, yeah. When I first saw this movie, I was like, dude, I can't stand yeah. Exley. And then later, there's a turn. You're like, all right. And then it ends, and you're like, nah, you know what? <laughs> you want I a mean, shit. okay. So, that's one thing about what, uh, what drew, uh, uh, Curtis Hudson to this movie mm-hmm. is he read like 10 James Elroy books before this. And then this was the one that captivated him. Cause he said when he started reading the book and, and the book varies very much from, from the, from the movie, right. um, it's very hefty and the characters are really, I mean, they're bad people in this movie, but they're like really bad. They're people really in the book. So he said that when he read that book, he, he it captivated him because he didn't like the characters at first. But the more he went, the more he sympathized with them and realized like yeah. who they were. And I could say the same when I was reading that book. I was like, when with this because I saw the movie first. Mm-hmm. What in this perceived notion of who these characters were, and then you get to like really know their backstory and all the shit that like all the baggage that they have. Yeah. Um. But at the end of it, yeah, you do really care about each one of them. Um. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh. So that happens. Uh, Jack Vincennes gets kicked off the show, and then uh, Bud White loses. His, he gets suspended without mm-hmm. pay. He loses his partner. But one of one of my favorite scenes. Um, well, I didn't even know it was one of my favorite scenes, but I just really, really liked the interaction between the two. Um, that comes right up next is when Dudley White calls Bud uh, Dudley. Calls Bud White to meet him at the restaurant and right. gives him his badge back. And- well, Captain, what do you want? Call me Dudley. Dudley, what do you want? 
I admire your refusal to testify and your loyalty to your partner. I admire you as a policeman, particularly your adherence to violence as a necessary adjunct to the job. And I'm most impressed with your punishment of women beaters. Do you hate them, Wendell? What do you want? They're yours. Go ahead, take them. There's no goddamn bill on them. Four of the witnesses recounted their testimony. Why? They had a change of heart. What about Stensland? Your partner's through. Departmental scapegoat on the chief's orders. A year from his pension. Exley. Uh, Exley made his play and got what he wanted. As a politician, he exceeds even myself. The department needs smart men like Exley. And direct men like you. Look, lad, I need you for an assignment the chief's given me the go-ahead on. A duty few men are fit for, but you were born for. You'd be working out a homicide down at City Hall. Homicide? Working cases. Your talents lie elsewhere, Wendell. It's a muscle job. You'll do as I say and ask no questions. You follow my drift? I'm Technicolor, sir. And he's like, what do you want? What do you want? And he tells him you're going to work homicide and all that stuff. The conversation and the pattern, uh, like, just back and forth between them... Mm -hmm. um because it starts off kind of hostile and then it's kind of looking back on it now knowing what you know about dudley he's kind of like coercing or seducing bud white to like he's filling him out like how much can i trust you how much yeah um, can i tell you right now and and uh it's it's a really good scene i really, no, it really is. like it. it's i mean he knows so bud white like we learned there and then a little bit later that he wants to be taken seriously as a yeah, detective. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. wants to go to homicide. But how he's viewed in his department is yeah. the hothead, mm -hmm. the, the dumb the guy, dumb guy the muscle. Yeah. I mean, even the coroner makes a comment later where he's like, oh, he's not as dumb as dumb I thought, as he, I was, thought yeah. he was. And um, so he doesn't really have a whole lot of options. Yeah. You know, that's the only, what else is he going to go do? Mm -hmm. Um Next scene that comes up kind of like right after that, which I think is really, really awesome, is uh, the Night Owl uh, killings. Mm. So Ed gets a call for a homicide. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's alone in the... Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, he's promoted, and then he's alone in in. The, yeah, he's alone. He's alone in the in the in station the station, and... and he gets a call for the homicide, and mm -hmm. then he shows up. Uh, to the arriving officers there, and then they're like, he's like, nobody comes in but me, blah blah. blah. And then right. just that, like, that scene reminds me a lot of uh, like The Shining for some reason, because there's mm. this really like droll music that's going mm. on, and like, yeah, you see from his perspective these slow pans. There's blood on the wall. Right. The 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 stove is is smoking because yeah. they were in the middle of cooking something, and mm -hmm. then he goes all the way back in that hallway. And then he opens the door and he sees all those bodies, bodies piled on top of each yeah. other. And the look on his face is just like horror. Like, and, and it's cool too because I, I noticed something that they did. So they show they show that the piles of bodies and everything and they show it on him. And he mm -hmm. has a specific like look on his face because I don't think he's ever seen anything like, like that. You're right. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just really intense. And right away Dudley tries to take uh, – take the case away from him, which we kind of 
known now, seen it a bunch of times. It's because he doesn't Ooh. want. He knows Ed, Edmund's smart, and he doesn't want him to catch yeah. on to what he's been doing. Yep. Um, so that goes on. They have uh, they have suspects the next day. Obviously, they pin it on some black guys, mm-hmm. um, and everybody's out looking for them. Uh, the next one of the cool scenes that I like. I mean, there's this this. You know, everybody gets paired up with certain people. Nobody yeah. wants to work with each other. But Kevin Spacey thinks he knows a guy that might know a guy who would mm-hmm. know who the killers are. So um, him and Guy Pierce, they go and they um, <clears throat> they meet up with those guys. Uh, they meet up with a friend of theirs, kind of trick him into giving them information about who the who the black guys that they have as suspects are. Right. And then they go to that guy's apartment to the to the suspect's apartment. And already there's two of Dudley's guys in the car. They're like, oh, yeah. we found shotguns and a bunch of money. Obviously now, knowing the plot and how it plays out, they were sent there to, to kill those guys, no questions asked. Right. So just plant. Yeah, just plant the money and the shotguns and everything like that. So this scene is really, really cool. I, and, and, you know, mm-hmm. um, you get that, that weird, like when he's like, oh, I'm ranking officer here. We're going to go inside. We're going to do it my way. They go upstairs. Yeah. And then before they leave, uh, those two dudes like look at each other like, fuck what do we do now yeah so they go upstairs and immediately when they break in the room first thing that one of the dudes tries to do is fucking shoot him and actually like no don't fucking kill him yeah he wants to bring him in because not only does he not know that that's what the deal is but ed's not the type of guy that wants he wants to break people he wants to yeah the, to get get it out of them get get the he whole likes story to out play of that game. yeah yeah so that that scene's pretty intense but they take him in and then we go into like probably one of the best scenes in the whole movie is the interrogation scene. All oh, the yeah. cops are in the interrogate, like not in the interrogation room. There's three different rooms, but they're watching, but they're watching mm-hmm. and they're all standing around. And, uh, Dudley tells, all right, Edmund, you got this, like go, go to work. He goes into each different room and dude, he is fucking playing them like fiddles. Like, yeah. just like and he just picking them like- apart. Ray Collins just ratted you off. He said the night owl was your idea. I think it was Ray's idea. You talk, I think I can save your life. Son, six people are dead, and someone has to pay for it. Now it can be you, or it can be Ray. Lewis, he called you queer. Said at Casitas, you took it up the ass. I didn't kill nobody! Son. You know what's going to happen to you if you don't talk. You'll go to the gas chamber, so for God's sake, admit what you did. I didn't mean to hurt her. Maybe she's okay. Okay. Well, these people are all in the morgue. They were dead when you left them. I just wanted to lose my cherry. She don't die, so I don't die. She don't die, so I don't die. Lewis, who's the girl? What's her name? Who are you talking about? Was she at the night owl? Lewis, listen to me. Was she at the night owl? She don't die. Newspaper shit ain't shit. Where's the girl Fontaine's talking about? Did you kill her? He wanted Lewis to lose his cherry, but that wasn't enough. So things got out of hand and you made her bleed. She bled on your clothes, so you burned the clothes. I told you that! Now listen to me. If that girl is still alive, she's the only chance you've got. I think she's alive. You think? Then where is she now? To leave her someplace? To sell her out? <laughs> tell me where she is! Move! <laughs> What? 
106! Where's the girl? White, I have this under control! Put the weapon down! Is the girl! And he's so sweaty what he's doing. He's like totally getting off. Yeah, it's, he's it's like, yeah, it seems what? like he really, really likes it. Yeah, like um, in the book, I mean, in the movie, they have him like clicking the buttons underneath. Yeah, but so in the book, he's clicking something else. Stupid. Just kidding, I never read the book. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's doing that, and it's really, really cool. Finally, he goes into one room uh, with the kid that's breaking. I think it's Louis Fontaine that's um, that's really, really breaking, crying and stuff. And he starts mentioning some girl that they that they uh that they hurt that he hurt and then ed gets like he figures out that they're not talking about anything about the night owl yeah. so then he goes into the other room and starts asking one of the dudes that's more put together like what the fuck's this guy talking about who the hell is this girl that he's talking about blah blah and that's when we get that scene with bud white where he's fucking just breaks that chair well under underneath his anger and then you Dude, know, one of my favorite just he that does, scene. He does that that old like cop trick where you take all the bullets out of the gun and shove it in somebody's mouth and just clicks, and then that's how they figure out that's he does. Where the girl uh, is. What is he? He called. What is he call? He calls it something. He says one in six. One in six. One in six. Oh yeah, and that's when Where's you just the girl? see. But but is just he's he's unhinged. Unst- yeah. yeah, he's like the Hulk. Like nobody could stop. Like stop. No. Him. Uh. Yeah. And then. So they so yeah that scene's fucking great and you know long story short they go they find the girl Bud kills the dude that took her and uh, right after that Bud and Bud and Ed they have a confrontation in the middle of the street. Miss, I'm Lieutenant Exley. I'm sorry to have to ask you this. I need to know what time they left you. Get her to the hospital. I realize this is difficult. Give you career arrest. Leave her alone. A naked guy with a gun? You expect anyone to believe that? Get the fuck away from me. How's it gonna look in your report? It'll look like justice. That's what the man got. Justice. You don't know the meaning of the word, you ignorant bastard. Yeah? Well, you think it means getting your picture in the paper. Why don't you go after criminals for a change instead of cops? Stenzlin got what he deserved, and so will you. Yeah. Um, which is another great like interact like they're just butting heads they're two two completely different people yeah because um, they, they have two different approaches to what's right yeah and they both really want to be good cops but they just have two different like opposing ideologies pretty yeah because bud is bud is like these guys don't deserve like he has his own like moral crusade uh you're right that goes above beyond what what justice yeah that lapd like can can yeah. lay like he'll kill he'll kill you if he thinks you deserve well, he it. kill he killed the dude that was there <laughs> yeah and then he plant he planted Plants the gun yeah and then um but you know what they're both i mean exley has his own game yeah he you know what i mean and that's just not his style you're mm-hmm. right he likes to he likes to politicize so while that's all happening, we find out that uh, the three Night Isle suspects that were locked up in jail that he was just interrogating, um, they escape. And uh, right away, Ed remembers something that one of the killers, uh, one of the suspects says, and he's like, oh, I need you, Browning, to come with me. I think I know where these guys are. So they rush over there, which is another great oh, wait. scene. That's when, uh, um, Br- no, Browning's like, hey, what's up? Yeah, you got, you got something? He's like, I need backup. Come with me. Oh and yeah, because he's because like, he's looking for Jack Vincennes, and he's like, uh, I don't know where he is. He's like, you got something? He's like, yeah, no, yeah, come yeah, with yeah. me. That's right. So they go to this apartment, and they go in there, and they're like, 
about to like arrest them again don't shoot don't shoot don't shoot and then the young kid knocks over a bottle and then brownie just unloads Unloads, yeah and then he gets lit up he gets blasted Ed ed kills two of the dudes in the apartment and he's got to chase the third one um and there's this there's this chase be- in in the apartments through these halls and everything and this guy gets all the way into the elevator and ed's running as fast as he can and this is the part w- that i noticed yet uh yesterday when i was watching it, or the day before when i was watching it he he doesn't even look inside the elevator because no, the door's shutting he doesn't have enough time he shoves the shotgun in there he shoots and then the door opens and we see ed's face and you don't the, see the body we well, don't see the body and the reason why it it was so profound to me was because we're watching it and like i said they show the carnage of, at the night owl and they show his face mm. and then in this part he's not only is it something else more horrific it's something he's never done before he's never killed anybody right and i feel like they don't show it because it's something he already saw that other stuff which was really taxing right and this and this i think it's just like it's something that he would rather forget and not even remember seeing because yeah he inflicted it and it's just as gruesome because even when he comes back he looks still looks like he's in a state yeah of shock. yeah he still has blood on and, his face and then they call him shotgun, shotgun Ed, Ed. and the way he like looks is like yeah. he's not taking that with and, pride and, and yeah and, and it's crazy because like before this everybody hates him because he's a little sniveling snitch and fucking got everybody fired but as soon as he killed a bunch of black guys all the cops oh, lo- yeah. all the cops love him oh yeah so this this uh this case pretty much makes his career and mm-hmm. um you know time goes on people people are doing what they're doing and um yeah i think th- those scenes are really good uh Previous to this, I think there's there's a scene between Bud and Pierce Patchett that I really like. I just like the dialogue, and I really love the way mm-hmm. um, Pierce Patchett's character comes across. Yeah, um, really really cool, and uh, yeah, I really I really like that stuff. Um, all the interactions between Kevin Spacey and Danny DeVito, oh, uh, so just really good. really yeah. cool, really cool. Like you get, I mean, Danny DeVito is just so good at playing a scumbag. Yeah, and you get the idea that Kevin Spacey's Jack Vincennes is like somebody that used to be good, and then well, he he works what narcotics. Yeah, he works nar- narcotics. Um, but somebody that used to be a good cop, which is another another great scene when when. Uh, Guy Pierce goes to see Jack Vincennes and he first tells him like mm-hmm. what do you think about the night owl killing he's like dude you solved that case it made your career why are you like digging yeah. into it and he tells him about Rolo Tomasi Vincennes I need your help with something I'm busy right now why don't you just go ask some of your boys in homicide I can't I need someone outside of homicide I want you to tail Bud White till he goes on duty this evening why don't you do me a real favor and leave me alone? Do you make the three Negroes for the night owl killings? What? It's a simple question. Why in the world do you want to go digging any deeper into the night owl killings, Lieutenant? Rolo Tomasi. Is there more to that, or am I supposed to guess? Rollo was a purse snatcher. My father ran into him off duty. And he shot my father six times and got away clean. No one even knew who he was. I just made the name up to give him some personality. 
What's your point? Rollo Tomasi's the reason I became a cop. I wanted to catch the guys who thought they could get away with it. It was supposed to be about justice. Then somewhere along the way, I lost sight of that. Why'd you become a cop? I don't remember. That conversation between him about the guy who gets away and everything, and he ends it. He like, like reminds him. Yeah, and it it, it it ends it like while he's while he's talking to him. And I thought I never thought about this um, until the last time we were watching it. He's talking to him about that, and you see this this like look coming over Jack Vincennes. Always played it cool, always, but he's like he's he down he's down on his luck and everything. And then he tells him that's why I became a cop because I didn't, I wanted to get the guy who didn't mm-hmm. get away with it, and. Before, when he asked Jack, why did you become a cop? And mm-hmm. before, I always thought it, he had just been through so much and, like, he really didn't have a reason and he didn't remember, like, he because he tells him, I don't remember. But he says it in such a distinct way. Well, yeah, you don't take him, you can't take a, um, his word for it, like, not yeah. his word for it, but he... He knows, like, there's something that sparks. No, I know, and that's why I'm saying this is the first time watching the last time. I was like, I think Jack's lying. I think he knows exactly I why think, he, I think he, he is became too, a cop. Because and, I was going to mention that earlier where it was like, oh, like, there's a turn, definitely, and I think that's it in the movie, Yeah, is that interaction between Exley and him is his motivations, which are just, were always just about the self. Yeah. They change, and he's out investigating by himself. Well, it happens a little bit earlier. Well, not complete. That's the real pivoting point. Right. But it's already it, started. It, it, it happens earlier. because he gets that money from Sid, the fifty bucks. He's at the bar, and then he wants to go stop that kid from getting. That's right. And then the that death kid, of that kid, the kid, kid gets murdered. Weird. So that's what sparks it. You're right. But you're what right. solidifies it, I think, is that conversation with that uh, with Exley. Yeah, because he he sees that kid die. Um, he knows it's kind of his. He put him there. He put, he him, put him in there. Yeah, put him in front of the gun. All he knows like, is something is just so weird. Yeah, that's and uh, so he goes to see him. They talk. They talk it out, and then they both get on the case. Uh, one of them's tailing uh, Jack Vincent's tailing Bud White, and Exley's doing his research, um, talking to uh, Susan Lefferts. That's her name. Susan Lefferts' mom, and all that other all that other good stuff. And then I think. As far as like my favorite scenes, like dialogue wise, mm-hmm. that's kind of like the oh, uh, the scene where Kevin Spacey dies is oh, a really good I, scene. I was too. gonna say that too. That's he, po- that's he one goes, of my favorite. He goes and he talks to James Cromwell in the middle of the night, and uh, he's having this conversation. Everything seems pretty normal. I could definitely say when I first saw the movie, I was not expecting it. I wasn't either. Um, and then once it happens, I was like, oh no, shit! Like that makes total sense. Yeah. Um, he goes and he talks to him, and then James Cromwell, he asks him, he's like, oh, what does Exley think about all this stuff that you found out? And he's like, oh, I haven't told him yet. I just came from blah, blah, blah. And then, boom, he fucking shoots Killed him. Um, and he leaves him that clue, Rolo Tomasi, um, so that yeah. Exley knows in the future that James Cromwell is full of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably the last like dialogue scene that I really, really like. And yeah. then, obviously, one of the best scenes in the movie is the last, the last shoot. Yeah, Russell Crowe pops out of that hole in the ground with that shotgun and blast that dude. <laughs> yeah. um, you know what I was going to say? One of my favorite scenes is uh, is uh, yeah, when got Ex- him, shoot him. Exley and uh, Vincennes, they go into that bar to talk to uh, <laughs> Johnny Stampanato. Uh, Stampanato. Yeah. What was that actress's um, name? 
Dude, and this Fuck. is when Exley's like real, right? He's like on top of his shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really Lana, f- Lana Turner. Lana Turner. He's really filling himself. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, cocky yeah. and he's like, what do you call it? Like, he's like a bit hooker. Yeah, he's like a hooker cut to look like Lana Turner. He's still a hooker. That is Lana Turner. What? That is Lana Turner. Yeah, dude. Just a look on, on in Jack's face. Yeah. Where he just wants to, dude. He's, <laughs> and they both start busting up in the car. That's, yeah. that's one of my that, favorite that's scenes. A, that's a good part, yeah. Um, I was going to mention too Jack Jack uh, talking to Cromwell in the kitchen, um, but uh, like I, I mentioned earlier, just Bud just anytime he rages out, I think yeah, it's just yeah. super funny, super cool. But also too, I think his interactions with uh, with Lynn with Lynn are, are are really like there's a vulnerability that comes out in him. Yeah, there's a scene where he, obviously she she takes him into the back room where she doesn't bone regular guys. Right. Um, she's dating him so there's obviously that scene where he can like she's trying to get information out of him but then she's like oh i'm not gonna press it and then he just confesses that his mom yeah. or his dad beat his mom to death with a tire iron and yeah. he was like chained up for like three days and now or you know why he's yeah hates uh, women beaters and stuff. i think yeah I, I love anytime their interactions where i just really felt it you know and then um I mean, when he first asked her out on that date. Yeah. The, like, yeah, the, the back and forth between them. For the rest, or whatever he says, yeah. and he walks away. Yeah, those uh, any of those are, are, are pretty good. Um, it's like, don't ever try to bully me or fucking bribe me. Yeah, You dude. say fuck a lot, you fuck for money. You like, dude, the, the back and forth in this and the writing and the screenplay is really good. You know what? Russell Crowe's a really good back and forth kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, nice guy nice shows guys. up for sure. Why they get married? We'll talk about that later. Uh, but yeah, those. I mean, there's so many in this movie yeah, that it's, really it's stand just, out. That really... night owl scene, uh, dude. But any any of the inter- interrogations are pretty cool. Are are like it is just like the shakedowns of the shakedowns, of, but also too like when they're interviewing um, the guys are trying to pin the murder on. There's so much that comes out without being said, and it, it tells you so much about what's going on in L.A., about, mm-hmm. like, the racial tensions oh, and, yeah, and yeah. the racism in, in LAPD, because I remember, um, is it actually asks him, like, oh, something almost like, why did you run or whatever? Or, yeah, yeah. And then he just looks at him like, dude, come on, man. Like, I'm yeah. a black man. And- oh, no, no, no. He comes in, he's like, Oh, did one of the officers rough you up? And he's oh, like, looks that's at right. Him. He looks at him like, man, like, that's the stupidest I shit know, anybody's ever asked me. But yeah. that part, that that scene's particularly stuck stuck with me. And um, yeah, some of the just the line reads the when he gets when he leaves that first room and he's like, you know what? I've been talking about the gas chamber and you haven't even asked me what this is about. You yeah, got a big guilty sign around your neck. Yeah, like some of that stuff is just. Fucking so gold. Yeah, I think if I were to point to my favorite scene, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure it'll change every time I watch the movie. But it might be the Lana Turner scene. It's just <laughs> so fun. I mean, it, it's funny, right? And yeah. it, it, it's but I think everybody is like Kevin Spacey's playing that the the whatever he's doing in the background is really funny. I think yeah, Guy Pierce is just full like oh turn it up to ten like your mm-hmm. shit doesn't stink and then dude just Johnny Stampanato's name. <laughs> so, oh, the real dude. That that the scene where uh, Bud White just fucking twists his balls. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Paisano, so, Paisano, so yeah. good. But oh, uh, I love. I don't know why, but when Bud C goes to see um, um, what's her name? Susan Lefford's mom. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I really like that scene where he's like crawling under the space. Yeah, yeah. And then he realizes it's Buzz Meeks. Yeah, because so there. much so much weird shit is happening. It's kind of like she's like, don't go back there. Don't go back there. Yeah. And it's like we were talking about when we were watching the movie that there's like we've had like older relatives that were kind of like, oh, they don't know what their kids are. It reminds me of like. I knew uh, some relatives were like my cousins were little shitheads. Yeah, and you know their mom it's, knew I, they were up to something. I but... think I think it's the naivete. Like the oldest people that we probably knew were like our gra- like my grandparents. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying, like oh, I could see because my the way of people of that generation. Obviously, that lady's old then, whereas my grandma would have been born around then. Yeah, the naivete of like. Especially, you see how women are treated in that movie, and yeah. obviously how our grandparents were probably raised. See, like, oh, for them to be like, oh, don't go into the house. It's just something, blah, 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 and just kind of write it off. Even seems... though they probably know. Yeah, they well, kind they kind of know, but they would not dare. They would like... not dare. Well, you know, back back in the fucking 50s and the 40s, it was not a woman's place to just... Oh, no, not at all. And... Cause any sort of trouble. Yeah, or, 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 dude, that's, I mean, the movie starts off with that domestic violence shit, and it's yeah. like, had Bud White not been there, that lady probably would have just got beat for the rest of her life. Dude, you yeah. Know? Um, but yeah, no, that scene's really good. I, I just love when she's just like, was it a rat or whatever? And he's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, great big one. Great big one. Gives her that money. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, 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 a, that's, that's a fun scene. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, also the, the, the scene where Russell Crowe shows up with the picture of uh, Lynn and Exley having sex, and he oh, like dude, beats it, shoving it, beats in his the mouth. shit out of him, and then like he kind of has, he gets a gun, gets it away from him, and he's got to tell him, he's like, dude, Dudley did all this shit. Yeah, he's been working with all these people for years. Mm-hmm. He showed you the pictures, right? Like he wants you to kill me and like get oh, us yeah. all, get us, get and, rid of us all. And it's like one of the few times that you actually see Bud White like. Calm down, calm from down. Like that but it's rig. because he's already been investigating. Yeah, that and case. he he knows it's undeniable. Everything that Exley is saying is is Dude, adding up. I hope I hope that it wasn't scripted that he was supposed to shove that photo <laughs> in his mouth. Oh my Dude, god! Yeah, it looks like ah. I'm just telling you that the rage Russell Crowe plays in that <laughs> is so, so real, dude. crazy. It's like this dude is pissed. Yeah, in real life. <laughs> so yeah, that that that's great. Um, yeah, so. I think yeah. As far as favorite scenes go, mm-hmm. that's kind of like my like the run of the mill. Like we said, the last shootout scene is really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we did say like you brought it up earlier. Exley gets the reward, um, and fucking Russell Crowe doesn't get anything. And I was like, oh, like with the two fucking in his face. Uh, Russell Crowe's pretty much the chewy of this movie. Oh yeah, did all the work and got none of the reward. Nothing. Um, Exley just even looks at him. He's like, uh, well. See you later. Out of, out of the three, out of the three, three cops, which one's your favorite? Oh, uh, so prior to seeing it, the last time we watched it, I would have said Bud, like no doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be Van Sands now. Yeah, he's. It's just a really cool character, man. He's just and, a, then, and then he and then he has that like that redemption. He does have a redemption, yeah. so he's redeemed. Um, so it, it, it's probably him. It would be like. It, depending on the day, a tie between A or B, and then Exley's character is third. I really Exley. like all of them. I like them all. But yeah, yeah, I just really like Jack Vincennes as a character. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, anything else about the movie that you notice that you you just it seen it this time or sometime before is you really really liked? Um, I think watching it now. I, I mean, we kind of hinted at it earlier, or we we discussed a little bit earlier is. 
the mystery of the movie, it's like not so convoluted that we get lost, like yeah. you said earlier. Like if you've ever watched Inherit Vice, you're just like, what the fuck is going mm-hmm. on? Which might be the purpose of that movie. Yeah, yeah. But there's tons of other ones. Like Chinatown, half the time you're just like, wait, Los Angeles is water? <laughs> yeah. Um, which is uh, which is fine and everything, I think, getting getting into the details. But this movie, like it, the, the, the mystery behind it is not so deep. Yeah. Right. It's it's just corrupt cop, power uh, power vacuum in Los yeah, Angeles. Yeah, pretty much trying to take it, and he's corrupt. There's nothing like all the pieces aren't aren't too crazy. But uh, I was thinking about that, and I was like, oh, that's nice. Like it was easy for me to follow along, and I was like, wow, does that make me like a stupid moviegoer? But I wouldn't say I would say the mystery. I would say the movie is more about the characters in the movie, and then just another hollywood story yeah you know what i mean i I feel like um i mean there's there's always stuff in in books about writing movies for Mm -hmm. uh, like screenplays and stuff and it's like treat your audience like they're smart people yeah um and and they'll they'll like they'll like what you're doing because and then especially if they're able to if it seems like a smart movie and something that's you know, mm-hmm. a little bit difficult to understand if they could figure something out like right before it happens, like it clicks and then you get a reveal. Like they really like that sensation. Yeah, it's those, like a rewarding sensation. Those for are them. fun. I mean, it's like one of those movie experiences. Obviously, not in the theater, but like if you're watching it at home and you're just like, "Oh, I fucking told you." Yeah, yeah. yeah. I figured it out. I think I think trying to figure out the mystery is uh, is fun. I think in this movie, the turn happens at a good point in the movie. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like. Like you said, when you first saw it and you saw Cromwell was like the big bad, I was like, oh shit, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you're right. I think this movie doesn't treat the audience like they're stupid. Like the, like I said, the mis- like the mystery behind it is not super, super complicated yeah, it's not really or, convoluted. or anything. Yeah. But He's, like you said, it's it's about power mode. vacuum. And you know what I mean? Corruption. Everybody has a motive. It's Hollywood. Yeah. Everybody has a motive. Everybody wants to, to get the, the glamour and, and yeah. the spotlight. And it's Cromwell wants to be the the celebrity gangs you know because yeah, Mickey yeah, Cohen yeah, right, yeah, is a celebrity yeah, pretty much actually wants to be the rock star fucking police officer um, Van Sands is 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 he plays or uh, not he plays um what do you call like a like his role on Badge of Honor oh he's like the consultant the consultant yeah. like but it's him kind of living his movie star yeah yeah the only one that doesn't really like look for that glamour no even he does i think i think his goal is a little bit smaller than everybody else's he wants to just be taken seriously he wants to be taken serious but he wants to be in in so it's just like inspiring actors come to hollywood yeah and they find that it really smells like piss yeah and you have to go do all these dirty jobs just to get by so and in the end very few even make it to Mm. what they want you know so um, I did want to mention because uh, we were talking about the mu- the music. The music in this movie is really good. Uh, oh, it was yeah. done by Jerry Goldsmith, and he's done a lot of great stuff over the years. Uh, but uh, I really enjoy the music to this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we said, there's a, those uh, reminiscent feelings of that game La Noir, yeah. um, which is really really cool. I think, like we said, that that game pulls a lot from this, including musical stuff. Um, but uh, I wanted to mention, because we're going to get to the end of the episode here before we have our own decision on it, I wanted to mention that there was actually a short-lived 
TV series on Fox of LA Confidential. I kind of remember that. It um I think it only aired like a few episodes. It was right before Keith Sutherland um started in 24. He was the star of uh the LA Confidential show Ooh. on Fox and that didn't go well and I guess he still worked with the studio and then he did 24 and he became a big hit and all that stuff revitalized his career pretty much mm-hmm. um but uh like I said end of the episode and we have to ask the hard question Jerry Rojas is a producer and you get the rights to LA Confidential the James Arroyd book do you make a prequel a sequel or um a reboot of this movie Ooh, I might do a prequel I think the characters are interesting enough to where you want to see more of them. Yeah. At the end of this movie, some of them are just dead. Yeah. Bud is just off the force, and who knows what the hell Exley's going to do. But I would like I would like to see a prequel. I mean, whether it's Bud younger, you know, or mm. see maybe a little bit of Jack's character. I, I think um, a prequel... So I'm going to kind of cheat here, mm-hmm. but I think it... Uh, Especially because I've read the books and like, there's a lot of shit that goes into Jack's character and a mm-hmm. lot of shit uh, that goes into Bud's character. Exley is relatively young in the book too, right? So if we did a prequel, there wouldn't be too much police work for him to do. No, you could do it, do him as a patrol officer and all that stuff, and he could get in like the same the same way that the video game starts. There's some interesting stuff there. Yeah, no, there is. But I think um, if you made a movie and you did it in like like kind of like a flash forward flashback thing where you show jack and bud jack and bud's like introduction to detective work and all the shit that they did and then show actually post this movie where he's trying to clean up the department from again if that's even what he's interested in doing yeah it could be like a godfather yeah where he's yeah where he's like i mean just the godfather in general he starts out like a fresh face kid and everything and then he becomes a fucking it kind of just blows it i mean yeah or you know what you could do a prequel where right where bud's really young and he has a mentor cop and they're like oh we heard this young guy he's an up-and-coming like detective genius we have to like take him under our wings and they go to some fucking desert town and they find him in there and he's got like a robot that he's built and it's johnny five and they're like, oh, man, he's got these cells in him that really help his detective work. And there's a pod race. <laughs> uh, let me work out the details on that, but that would probably be my prequel. Okay. That's uh, a detective right. menace. So you, heard... <laughs> so you heard it here first, guys. Um, but, yeah, that's I think that's where we would both go um, yeah. with, with this. And on that note, I want to thank you, Jerry Rojas, for being here with me. Um, and Jason Stead. Oh, thank you for having me. (laughs) And uh, I'm sure we'll have you back again very soon on either one of these episodes or a Don't Get Me Started episode. Um, And I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. And if you haven't already, tell your friends, tell your family to subscribe um, to us on Spotify. If you guys can, please, please, please go on Apple Music and leave us a, a star review and maybe a worded review. Anything. This podcast is great. This is fun to listen to. Anything that you say can help us out. Um, with our numbers and everything that way we could bring you a lot more great content and you could follow us on instagram and tiktok at play it again man underscore pod and we will see you at the movies next week hush hush <laughs>